0: Hey friends, welcome back to another Field and Garden podcast. It is your friend, Lisa Mason-Ziegler, and I have brought my friend and co-worker, Lane along. Hi, Lane. Hi, hello everybody. So today is another Seed Talk, and Lane, today y'all, I haven't even seen the questions. So this is like a game show, right? <laughs> she lays these questions on me and she's the one that filters all the questions that come into the company. And so she ha- like has her finger on the vibe of what people need more information about. And we, I'm going to let her tell in just a minute here um, what today's will be about. And so she has several of these lined up. So, you know, Be sure that you subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And we, of course, totally and completely love it when you drop a review for us, because when you review it and subscribe, that tells that app server that you like this and they'll show it to more people. So we really, really appreciate it. And if you want to learn more about the work the Gardener's Workshop is doing from I mean, we have an online garden shop packed with all the same tools, seeds, and supplies that you hear us mention and talk about that I use on the farm, as well as an amazing library of online courses, plus friends, a ton of free resources. You can just go over there and fall in. So today's seed talk is more cool flowers, frequently asked questions. All right, Lane, take it away. What are we doing today?
1: All right, so today we are going to be talking about Cool Flowers indoor seed starting, and this is going to be the first of two episodes on indoor seed starting, and then we will move in on the episodes after that into direct seeding. So shall I go ahead and get started?
0: Yeah, that sounds really, really great.
1: And as always with seed talk episodes, we're gonna be showing a slideshow on YouTube. If you'd like to go over to our YouTube channel, The Gardeners Workshop um, and follow along with us there. And we're also gonna be alternating between the slideshow and showing us actually having the conversations. So hop on over there if you would like to see. All right, so first question. If a seed can be either direct seeded or started indoors, which method do you prefer and why? And this is just talking about sometimes you'll see on a seed pack and it will say start seeds indoors four to six weeks before you want to plant it or cast seeds directly into the garden. So which method do you prefer
0: if you're given the choice of the two? Sure. And that is just such a great question. I've been answering this question for 25 years and I totally understand people's um, not understanding this. So many seeds, um, can go either way meaning they can be started indoors or they can be cast out in the garden as a general rule whenever I have a choice if you can successfully start it indoors I always go with indoors because you know I mean if you talk to commercial growers we really move away from direct seeding it's more work you waste more seeds there's more chance i mean it's just more labor in the garden they have to be thinned you have to keep them weed free while the seed is being born and being germinated Um, it's just more labor intensive with a less a little bit less of a success levels particularly on a commercial scale a home gardener you can really go both ways but you have to be really attentive to things like keeping that seed bed moist so that seed will sprout We personally prefer to do all of that indoors where it's a little bit more controlled in um, situation. It's easier, as I like to say, I like taking care of my seeds standing upright, not (laughs) down on the ground or hoeing or in that situation. So as a general reference, whenever on any of our seed packets on our website, if there's both ways are offered, generally we list the way that I prefer first. And if the seed will do it, that's the way I go. But there are, as we'll learn through this series, there are some that really just really should be started out in the garden for a variety of reasons. But whenever there's a choice, I always go with starting indoors. Right, I agree. It's just a
1: more controlled environment. You can really baby your seedlings and give them the optimal conditions so they get the best possible start when you go to transplant them. Okay, so let's go to the next question. So which cool flowers do you recommend starting indoors? And this is going to be a really long list, so you don't have to list all of them, but what are some that come to mind that you start indoors?
0: Some of those that I think people try to direct seed outside, maybe for whatever reason. One of them, the very first one I think of is the, the family of Rudbeckias. Because so many Rudbeckias, are strong reseeders, people think they can sow them out in the garden. But in my experience, because whenever a seed tends to be a slow germinator and or a slow grower, they are tough to start out in the garden. Just think about, let's just say like larkspur, which is a direct seeder, it can take up to 30 days for that seed to sprout. Are you really going to keep that seed bed watered? For 30 days and keep the weed pressure down because let me tell you the chickweed doesn't take 30 days to germinate right so food are one of them because people just so often say they will sow it out in the garden and they didn't get anything um foxglove digitalis is another one that um the one variety that's in cool flowers is foxy and foxy does not need vernalization she can be sown in the fall and she'll bloom the following spring another slow germinator and so it's very very difficult um but and i think the other thing to always keep in mind when we're talking about all of these whether you should do this way or that way your conditions And the nature of where you are can really play a role in this also. You know, I'll have the occasional person that'll message me and say, I direct seed everything and have great success. That is so wonderful. But in our experience through thousands and gazillions of people, that is an exception instead of the rule. And we try to offer the most successful way for people to start. So I would say Rudbeckia and Digitalis and I can't think of any others right off the top of my head. All right,
1: yeah, there's a whole bunch of flowers that we recommend starting indoors. And you can see that either on our website, on the seed product pages, it will tell you what the recommendation is. And like Lisa said, the preferred method is listed first. And like she answered in our previous question, if there's a choice, she typically prefers to start indoors. Okay, next question. Do you give your cool flower seeds any special treatment prior to sowing? And I'm referring here to just a general treatment that you do to all your cool flower seeds that involves a little trip to the freezer.
0: Yeah. So because there are um, just a couple and you all have to understand something that um, I know a little bit about a lot. I don't mm-hmm. tend to do deep dives on things. I tend to find, as a commercial grower, I tend to find out what I need to know to be able to do the job, right? And so I know through experience and listening to other growers talk that there were a couple of cool season hardy annual seeds that really just germinate quicker and a little stronger after their trip to the freezer. And if you just think about it, you know, it's like they're cool season hardy annuals, right? And, um, you know, they typically would be coming out of winter when they they were going to sprout. By putting them in the freezer for a couple of weeks, two weeks is kind of my personal how long I like for them to be in there at least. Um, When you take them out of the freezer and then sow them, they're like, oh, oh, wake up everybody. It's time to sprout. I mean, that is really simple, but that is really the basic bottom line. But this is what I wanna say about that. None of the cool flowers, cool season hardy annuals that we talk about require that type of treatment. This just enhances germination in my experience. Um, So there's all kinds of special treatments to certain families of seeds stratification and all different kinds of things. that I just have found, it's just easier for me that we store all of our cool flowers. When our cool flower seed comes in, we just pop it into the freezer. That's where it lives until the day it gets sown. And we just attribute to maybe sometimes some of those really germinate better and stronger, but it's not required. And are you going to reference about how to store them that way? Should I talk Uh about that? That will will be the next question,
1: actually. Yeah, so just going from the, dry, cold environment of the freezer to the moist, warm environment that you're going to provide when you sow them, that's really going to tell the seeds it's time to sprout. It just helps let them know it's time to break their dormancy and come into the world. Yes, it's true. All right. And let's go to the next question, which is related. And it's going to be, why are desiccants so important to use prior to putting seeds in the freezer?
0: So desiccants are those, for anyone that's not familiar, those are the little packets that we get in, you know, our bottle of pills or in your pair of tennis shoes, that little packet of gel, um, little nuggets inside of it. And there is a lot of humidity and moisture in the air, whether in your home or wherever you are. And those desiccants really absorb that moisture. So they keep your seeds from absorbing that moisture that perhaps is in your environment, um, so we the um, there's a great blog on our website that Rhonda wrote. It's called "Storing Seeds Longer," and it talks about how using an airtight container, you can use a Ziploc bag, a glass jar, whatever. It depends on it depends on how much of a seed problem you have. You know, <laughs> if you've got tons of seeds, you might have to have a whole refrigerator, like I have. Um, yeah but putting your seed packets into a airtight container and dropping a desiccant in then allowing it to sit out on the counter for 48 hours before you put them in the freezer that allows the desiccant to absorb any moisture that is present inside that airtight package then you pop your stuff in the freezer for however long you know then the day comes that you want to take them out you take that container out of the freezer and you once again just set it on the counter, do not open it, and allow it to sit for 48 hours for it to defrost and for that desiccant to do its job absorbing any moisture that's a res, you know, condensation or whatever is happening there. Um, and that works really, really well.
1: Yeah. And just to explain a bit about why. It's necessary to remove this excess moisture. So if you've ever put a bottle of soda or a can of soda into your freezer and then come back to it two weeks later or a month later, you might have found that that can or bottle exploded. And the reason for that is water actually takes up more volume in its solid state than it's liquid. So the same amount of water when it's in its liquid form is less voluminous than when it's in its frozen state, which is also the same reason why ice floats on water because it's less dense. So you can picture what would happen inside your seeds as they go into this freezing process. If there's moisture in there, these ice crystals form and they can actually rupture the cell membranes and wreak all sorts of havoc and destroy your seeds eventually. So it's really important, like Lisa said, to allow the desiccant to work. Don't throw the desiccant in your container and put it straight in the freezer because the desiccant's not gonna be able to work once the water transitions to a solid phase. And then like she also mentioned, when you take it back out, there's gonna be a very cold container in a room that has warmer air. And when the warm air is gonna hit that cold container, the water vapor in the air is gonna condense And you don't want that condensation to take place on your actual seed packs. So if you were to take the container out of the freezer and then just take your seed packs immediately out, that water vapor is going to condense into liquid on your seed packs and water and moisture is one of the great enemies of seed storage and
0: keeping your seeds viable for a long time. Great explanation. I have never heard that, Lane. (laughs) Excellent point. I always learn something every time I have a podcast with a partner, (laughs) every single time. And that's just why we can never stop learning, right? So awesome, great explanation.
1: I just like to explain why, because I think if people understand why, they are less likely to forget to do it. Yes. All right. So So, next question, what equipment and materials do I need for indoor seed starting success? So just what are some of the key pieces of equipment um, or tools or materials that you would recommend someone have if they're just starting to get into seed starting?
0: Sure, so, you know, of course, whatever vehicle you're gonna use to start your seeds in, whether that's a soil blocking tool along with the proper blocking mix, um, or a plug tray with the proper seed starting mix, because they are different, The seed starting mix for a plug tray um, has different ingredients that allow them to be a little bit more lighter and fluffier so that air and water can flow through that container better. And we will
1: talk about, we'll talk about that
0: in more detail later as well. So continue. And so that would be your first thing. And then I think the steps that people most often feel like, oh, you know what, I'm just getting started. I don't even think I'm gonna need a seed starting heat mat or a grow light. And, you know, I can tell you from years and years and years of experience personally, as well as talking to thousands of people, um, a seedling heat mat will change the way that your seed starting goes. Seeds start best in warm soil as a general reference 75 to 85 degree temperatures is the best germinating temperature. And if you're home people when I say 75 to 85 everybody's already thinking we'll shoot my house is 73, that'll, you know, I don't need a heat mat. Well, it's air temperature might be 73, but that's not the temperature of that soil. If you're a soil blocker, if you put your finger on the side of those blocks sitting on that tray that's not on a heat mat and they are literally cool to the touch, they're 15 to 20 degrees cooler than the surrounding air temperature. So if your house is at 70, that means that your soil temperature is gonna be about 55 degrees, which explains why so many people can't, Get seeds to germinate. So seeds. We will
1: talk. We'll talk a lot about heat mats in some upcoming questions too. So we'll go back to these points. So heat
0: mats are super important. And then the same thing with grow lights. Um, Grow lights. Your plants to stay short and stocky need sixteen hours of intense light a day. 16 hours of light aren't even available most days, right? On almost all days of the year. So grow light, heat mat, um, and depending on the type of heat mat you have, whether you need a controller um, and burlap, we use wide wheat burlap to help retain moisture.
1: And how about the seating pan, which is actually oh my. one of my absolute favorite things that we sell, and it's probably also the most inexpensive. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so the aluminum seed pan really changed my life many, many years ago. Um, I had been using just a little shallow plastic butter dish like we used to buy soft butter in. And I didn't realize how much I was chasing the seed to try to get it onto my toothpick or to whatever way I was doing it. Um, And then I was introduced to aluminum with no static electricity. And it is absolutely amazing how easy and quickly a seed literally hops on the end of a toothpick um, with a little bit of saliva on it and it just jumps right off when you place it onto the medium you're sewing it into. So yes, the seed pan, all of these things added together just make the experience quicker, easier, more efficient and more successful.
1: Right, okay. Next question, which cool flowers do you start in three quarter inch soil blocks, two inch soil blocks, and plug trays. And I know that you start the majority in three quarter inch soil blocks, so it may be easier for you just list those few that you start in two inch soil blocks
0: or plug trays. Sure, so um, just thinking about this, the two inch soil blocks, the ones that jump to my mind are sweet peas, which do super wonderful in the two inch block. And the plug trays, I'm just looking on my phone while we're talking about this, um, the plug trays um calendula is just easier it's kind of a big funky shape it's like a little seahorse with a curly tail right yeah. um, so we start calendula and then also with some of the special handling during winter sewing like bupleurum that we we direct sew bupleurum in the fall But to start it during the winter for succession planting, um, I do that in plug trays as well as Amimagus I did that with, as well as Bells of Ireland. Some of those that I normally direct seed in the fall, you can kind of trick them in the dead of winter thinking they're out in the garden, but they're not really. Um, So I would say, I think it's the sweet peas. Do you think of any that beyond that. No,
1: that's the one I think of. And that's just because of the size of the actual seed. Yes,
0: for sure. For sure. Okay.
1: Everybody else,
0: a little blocker.
1: Right. Okay. Do you use the same soil mix for soil blocks and plug trays? If not, what are your recipes for blocking mix and plug tray mix?
0: Sure. So that's a great question too. Um, So blocking mix which is what you use when you're making soil blocks needs to be very dense and very binding together because it's never going into a container right Um, and so basically that recipe is always on our website but it is just either peat moss or cocoa fiber mixed with compost and some nutrients it's a very simple there's no fluffiness in there there's no vermiculite or no perlite right so that's the soil blocking mix. The plug tray mix is a lot simpler. We on the farm, when we, cause we use plug trays all summer long in our sunflower starting regiment. Um, I mix 50% of any potting mix with 50% finished compost. Um, and that potting mix will have perlite in it and make it a little bit airier and for easier for water to flow through it. And we cut it 50, 50 with compost.
1: Perfect. Yeah, so the blocking mix is intended to be dense and compact, those blocks need to hold up the entire time they're growing to the time they get transplanted out, and the plug tray mix is a lot lighter and fluffier. Yes. So, do you use humidity domes or plastic wrap when starting seeds, and how do you implement wide weave burlap when seed
0: starting? So I am not a humidity dome or plastic wrap user. Um, The person that I learned seed starting from, Elliot Coleman, um, really felt like Those two uh, are plastic in general. Anything that traps the moisture um, on the tray or in the tray is just very easy to encourage diseases. And particularly as farmers who we are not there looking at our seedlings, you know, several times a day because they're typically not, you know, in our kitchen or in a pantry right there. Um, And so you have to really monitor plastics really closely. I know a lot of people that use them successfully, but they are monitoring very closely so that you don't over moisturize your seed starting and can really introduce fungus and those types of things. Um, so we found that using wide weed weave burlap is um, really fits the be, the bill. I mean, what do they put down on lawns when they sow seeds so often is that burlap. And that's kind of where I got the idea from. And then I saw somebody sowing carrot seeds out in the field and then running a big roll of burlap out over top of it. But you have to monitor that burlap to get it off before that stuff starts to really pop through it because it'll grow right through the burlap. The burlap traps some moisture but still allows air circulation and we just really love it.
1: Right. And moisture is really key for the seeds to germinate successfully. They need to absorb some of that so they can break through that seed coat and also there's a lot of enzymatic action going on within the seed so they can metabolize some of the food stores they have. So if moisture is gone at any point in this process, your germination may actually fail.
0: Correct. And that's why it is so difficult to get seeds to germinate out in the garden
1: mhm exactly okay do i need to use a heat mat when starting cool flowers and what is your heat mat setup for cool flowers and i think the key here comes from well if these are cool flowers they obviously like cool weather why on earth would i use a heat mat
0: yeah, and that is a really common question that we get. Um, and cool flowers really likes cool air temperatures and warm soil. They still need a little bit of warmth to get that whole sprouting um to get started and for the seed to get moving Um, and so i understand it's you're not gonna um, you know i want to say that this last year we did an experiment trying to start cool flowers later into summer you know experimenting and we really ran into a problem because it was getting warmer and warmer and cool flowers just really didn't like that Um, in my world the perfect cool flower seed germinating situation is. Um, The air temperature of the room that you're doing it in, 65 to 70. Um, 68 is my target, but we'll go either way. And then that heats those seedling heat mats up accordingly. And so their, their soil is warm, but the air temperature is still cool. However, We find that it benefits also um, to actually use cookie cooling racks, which literally you all that's what we're talking about. The rack you put cookies on when you bring them out of the oven um, to put those on top of your heat mats. And that creates about a half an inch or so airspace. And that cools the heat mat down just a smidge, but it still provides a consistent, constant warmth. And I can tell you as somebody, as we are always starting more seeds than we have room on our heat mat and we think, oh, it's so warm in here. We'll just put them up on this high shelf in the same room thinking because we just don't have room for them. And I will tell you, it definitely affects the germination. They, Those that are not on a heat mat or a heat source um, really don't germinate as quickly or as many of them.
1: Yep. And another idea too, if you don't have a spare cookie cooling rack or you don't want to buy one for this purpose, I have sometimes doubled or tripled up the foam trays. If you're soil blocking, I've actually doubled or tripled those up just to give that little extra bit of insulation below the seeds. You're just trying to take the edge off of the heat mat. You still want them to get the heat, but just not the full dose of heat.
0: Right. Okay. Next, do you
1: set mat to a certain temperature for cool flowers?
0: So there's a couple of different types of seedling heat mats. Um, And the most common has a built-in thermostat, meaning that there's a thermostat in the mat, usually right where the wire goes in, um, that actually runs that heat mat based on the air temperature. And that typically is 15 to 20 degrees warmer than the surrounding room temperature. And so that is the most common and that's where most people start um, is with that. But then there is more of a professional heat mat. Um, They are much more expensive, probably three to four times what the others cost um, that have a separate thermostat um, that you can actually set the temperature on. And um, there, I mean, I have both. Um, I've used both and, um, you know, there's great purpose for the one with the controls, but it's hundreds of dollars instead of getting started with, you know, I also have um, the same one that we sell that last year's and it suits the purpose for the majority, you know, but we feel like people don't really need, the general public um, doesn't really have a great benefit to have a separate controller. So it's the air temperature that controls the heat mat.
1: hmm And this is not an official question in the slideshow, but do you have any tips for someone if they're growing in an extremely warm space, like say they're growing in a greenhouse or something, do you have any tips for them there?
0: Yeah, that is one of the really big struggles for a lot of growers, particularly that want to start the cool season hardy annuals following the cool flower concept, which is, fall planting, right? Um, and it is still, if you're starting out in a greenhouse, there really is no way to cool it down. Um, and that's a struggle. They get poor germination sometimes. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that there's some growers out there that could chime in and say, this is how I've got They have cooling mats, um, you know, again, for a grower. Um, But that's one of the benefits that we really feel like we reap of soil blocking, which can be done indoors in such a small space, because the small block, you can just put so many in a small room. Um, So you can do it in the air conditioning. I mean, in August, like we're starting cool flowers right now. Um, And it's like I just said to Bobo the other day, how wonderful is it that we have air conditioning in this building? You know, cool flowers just think it's cool outside, (laughs) You know, and so it works really, really well. So I'm sorry to say I don't have any tips for a greenhouse person. Okay. Um, All right.
1: How many hours a day should I leave my
0: heat mat on? I know this is a really great question that we hear often. It is. The heat mat, as long as there's a tray sitting on it, should be left plugged in 24-7. That's the whole point of a heat mat is to... Provide consistent, constant warmth um, and leaving it plugged in. It uses a my a, not nearly as much power as the cost of restarting your seeds.
1: Right. And I think this is also a good time to point out if you are getting into seed starting, it's really worthwhile to invest in a seedling heat mat. These mats are designed to be left on 24 hours a day. And they're waterproof and they maintain the temperature that seedlings want. You don't want to try to repurpose an old heat mat you have lying around yeah. that you bought originally for your backache. It's really worth it to invest in an in actual seedling heat mat. Oh, and those get much, much
0: hotter. But you will toast your stuff for sure. We, we've we talked to the people that have done it. It happens. Okay
1: when do you move your seedlings off the heat mat and under grow lights and when do i remove the burlap and these things kind of take place around a similar time
0: sure so let's just say we sowed our seeds today um and you know your seed packet should give you guidance of kind of what to expect as to when the seeds are going to potentially sprout Um, but of course I water, I recommend that everybody water their seedlings in the morning first thing so that it has all day long to, you know, absorb the water and do the things it needs to do. Um, and when you're doing that in the morning, if you have burlap on, we take, we lay the burlap back. You don't water through the burlap. So you're observing your seedlings and what's happening and you get really quite good at kind of looking at your stuff and saying, Oh, look, I can see the seeds cracking. Oh, look. Almost all the seeds cracking. Well, that says to me, hmm, if they've cracked, I count that as germination, you know. And so once 50% of the seeds show that kind of action or a sprout, it gets moved off of the heat mat and moved to under the grow lights. Um, and the burlap, you have to really decide, gosh, if you're already cracking this morning. What is going to happen in the next 20? Because I only go in my grow room one time in the morning. I'm not back at all during the day. Um, so the burlap is where you really just don't want to. We had it happen last year with snapdragons. Um, got left on. I didn't judge right. Left it on. And all the snaps grew through the, the burlap by the next morning. And of course, when I pulled the burlap off, it ripped them all out. Um, yeah. So you le- you learned that lesson once <laughs> as I did. Yep did I answer all of that?
1: Yeah. So once 50% of your seeds show any signs of germination, including cracking at that point, you really want to get them under lights. You don't want your seedlings going without light for too long. And that at that point, you also remove the burlap just to prevent things from growing through it and yanking your seedlings out when you go to pull it off. Yes. Okay. So next, if this is actually probably one of our top three questions that we get if my seed packet says a seed needs light to germinate do i need to put it under grow lights immediately after
0: sowing so this is a deep question but i'll try not to make a deep answer so if a seed packet says a seed needs light what that is saying to you is that you should surface sow that seed the seed needs to have good contact with the soil but it needs to be on the surface. And it's not just for light, it's also for oxygen. um, That really enhances germination. Um, That's another thing I learned from Elliot Coleman um, is that so many seeds, when you cover them with soil, they just can't breathe. They can't get oxygen, which is part of their sprouting, right? Um, So that means, what do you call, is it ambient light? The light that's in the yeah. I mean, so they don't need grow light. They just need ambient light. And I think the reason that's said that way is for people to understand that it needs to be on the surface. And part of that surface sewing is really about the oxygen. So they do not need to be put under grow lights. Um, is that is that was well, that part of the question? Am I talking about that here? Now? Um yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we often hear do I sew it and put it right under the grow light, right? Um and that is not what you want to do It really depends on what kind of grow light you have, but as a general rule, that is not what you do. If you put your if you sow your seeds and place it onto a heat, seedling heat mat and then also slide your heat mat under a grow light so there's light from the top and heat from the bottom, you will toast your seedlings, they are viable they're alive. And that would definitely overheat and cook them. Um, Even folks like, I know that Lane has LED lights, which don't give off any warmth. Um, So that may not be the case, but they don't need that kind of light. Um, So as a general rule, you sow your seeds. If you sow it on the surface, you put it on the seedling heat mat and you only move it to the grow light. Once the germination process has begun, you move it over to your grow light.
1: Right. The point that light becomes really critical is after they have sprouted and started growing that don't want them to be without light for too long but generally ambient in a room is sufficient to meet that light requirement and like Lisa said it's about moisture temperature and oxygen levels in addition to the light on the surface so that's sometimes what it's about more to talk about a warm season seed can you describe how you start your celosia in a germination chamber which is also a seed that on the seed pack, we'll say it requires light to germinate.
0: Right. So, you know, we find we, that was really a big discussion when we started using a germination chamber is a commercial grower's way to provide all of the things that a seedling heat mat and moisture and burlap and all does. But you can start a whole lot more at the same time because it's a big shelving unit that has multiple shelves. I mean, I think we can start 50, trays of 240 in each tray in a germination chamber it has a steam bath basically in it um, and so when we first started doing that with celosia that's when i started learning about it's really more about the moisture and the oxygen level um, that really got those because we get excellent germination in a germination chamber um, and so but they're surface sown and they're getting i mean it's like being we call it the seed sauna I mean, that's what it is. You open the doors, it's like opening the door to a sauna. It's very steamy um, and they germinate super quick and then they move out of there and go straight under the grow lights. Um, and so, yeah, that that even though it says they need light, it is not light in there. Right.
1: Okay. Is it okay to have my grow lights on at the same time as my heat mat? And you just touched on this. And the answer is going to be maybe depending on your setup, but it's going to depend on your grow light. So do you want to touch on that again?
0: Yeah. I mean, I just don't see any reason that they would ever be on the same. You know, I mean, um, if you have a space issue and you want to be able to put your heat mat on the same spot where your grow light is, just don't turn the grow light on. Um, We just don't find that that is really needed and necessary. Um, So we don't ever have the heat with a light on top of it.
1: So in Lisa's space, her heat mats are literally in a different location completely from her grow lights. So it's not even like it would be an option. And she also has lights that give off a little heat, which would also make it not an option. In my setup, like Lisa alluded to earlier, I actually have a rack and I have my heat mat on the top and I have a grow light stand there with more racks below that only have grow lights and no heat mat. So what I tend to do is I leave my light off until I see signs of something sprouting. And then because I have an LED grow light that gives off, it's virtually no heat. You can put your hand right up to it. There's virtually nothing there. I can go ahead then and flip my lights on just because I like to baby my seedlings. I can go ahead and do that without consequence because my lights give off very little heat. But if you have lights that give off any heat, like she said, you really could end up toasting your seedlings. Yes. Okay. Next question. What are your best tips for germinating surface-sown seeds like snapdragons? And surface-sown seeds, like we've been talking about, these are the ones that tend to give people the most trouble. So what are some of your tips for surface sown
0: seeds? Sure, and so for those seeds, like if you don't have a germination chamber for celosia, which is a warm season, um, is the same for snapdragons. You know, using the wide weave burlap to just help retain the moisture. And there is nothing, I mean, we really find that it's beneficial also to mist seedlings uh, or mist the blocks. Um, I cannot speak to plug trays about that um, because blocks dry out so beautifully in between waterings, um, but you can pull your burlap back the morning after, you know, the, the next morning after you've sewn, water your as you normally would to completely water the blocks all the way through. Then sometimes I will just hit the tops of the blocks with a mist from a sprayer like you like iron clothes with, you know, just a regular water sprayer um, and then lay your burlap back down. And, um, you know, that is really losing that moisture on the surface is really the problem. Yeah.
1: And some other points I wanted to make even though they're surface sewn, that the seed is in firm contact with the soil. Yeah. So they're very tiny. So it's easy to just think you're just going to sprinkle it on there, but you really do need to make sure it's pressed in. And Lisa and I do most of these small seeds in soil blocks. So that soil is already kind of dense and compacted. So it's easier to just kind of press the seed in. If you're using plug trays and you have a fluffier mix going on, You may want to kind of depress the mix in each cell of the tray. Um, I'm not saying to compact it really hard, but just firm it up. Just firm it up so that you're able to press that seed in and get good contact. And then, one other point I wanted to make is when we're talking about soil blocks, we're bottom watering. So we're watering in the tray and dumping it out. If you're doing any sort of system where you're watering from the top, and it's a very tiny seed, you could really displace the seed and end up covering it in soil, which would make it possibly not germinate. So those are some things to look out for. That's a really good point. Next question. What is the difference between the Electron variety of Sweet William and other varieties such as Amazon or Sweet?
0: Okay, so um, the Dianthus family, which is Sweet William, is really, really large. And there are hundreds of varieties, um, different species, different families under that name. And so let's talk about the two most common that we grow are the Amazon and the Sweet varieties. Those are true hardy annuals, meaning they can be sown today. And if you could give them the conditions to grow up, they will in fact be um, blooming in 16 weeks, meaning they don't need any kind of cold treatment. They just need you to plant them, get them started and give them you know, whatever they require and they'll be blooming in 16 weeks. Unlike some of the, the biennial varieties, which Electron is, Those definitely require a cold period to be able to produce blooms. And so we do um, grow electron um, and we wanna have the electron transplants started by end of July, very first of August, so that they are the very first cool season hardy annuals in the garden um, because they need a cold period. I mean, we see it on social media all the time. Oh my gosh, I planted this sweet William and it is gorgeous this spring, but there's no blooms. Well, guess what? They weren't planted in time. They were planted on the, the normal cool flower six to eight weeks before your first frost. Those particular varieties need a, need to be in the ground and established earlier so that they can get that required cool period. Um, and it gets a little complicated. That's why we don't really grow and talk about them a lot because it just, people really need to get their boots under them with the cool flower concept before they really venture in. But like the Electron, so worth growing. It's such a beautiful flower. You just have to set your timetable up Um, several weeks earlier than the rest of your cool flowers.
1: Yep. So Electron is a true biennial. Amazon and Sweet can just be treated as an annual. And so Amazon and Sweet, an advantage as well, you can plant them in very early spring, whereas you wouldn't be able to do that with Electron and get blooms the same year. Yeah, exactly. And are there any meaningful differences between Amazon and Sweet
0: um, you know yeah, their their growth habits. Sweet um, comes in like a bunch of different colors, all which are just so useful and gorgeous. I mean, from coral to white, which is the most useful. Um, and they're winter hardy. I believe they can be fall planted up to zone five. Is that right? Um, and you, I, yeah, yeah you really want to do that with sweet because it can be a little on the short side if you try to very early spring plant it. Um, but The sweet is kind of like a ball bloom, meaning it's flat and round. Amazon has more branching. It's just a bigger head um, and it's definitely taller. I mean, we get 30 to 36 inch Amazon Amazon. stems and it comes in three different colors and they're all just really, really useful. We, Amazon is my go-to for sure for Sweet Williams.
1: Okay. What are your best tips for starting sweet peas? And I know that we already went over that you put them in the two inch soil blocks because they are a larger seed. What are some of your other tips for people trying to start sweet peas?
0: So something that I just tried last year based on my sweet pea expert, Farmer Bailey, of, um, and Bailey is quite a sweet pea grower. He's up in Vermont. And, um, you know, I was reading what he was posting online about how they really germinate best and stay short and stocky when they're at 55 degrees. So we've been, so I don't put them on heat. So this is new, you know, I mean, I've never really talked about it. Um, I did this last year and had 100% germination um, on about 100 blocks um, or two inch blocks of sweet peas. We just set them outside in the Indian summer, you know, cool at night kept them out of the sun and they were a little slower to germinate, but they did germinate um, and just growing. And so I start them later in the season. I wouldn't even start doing this until mid-October or something till when the conditions are conducive um, to that. So we don't soak the seed per Farmer Bailey, which I used to be a seed soaker. um, And his method of providing cooler temperatures, waiting later to start them, and doing it um, in the two-inch blocks. And they were just beautiful transplants. All right.
1: Next question. Okay, this is the last question. And this is kind of a general troubleshooting question. I'm having germination issues with my cool flowers. What could the problem be? So let's just say someone has started a bunch of cool flowers and they're having really poor germination on all of them. It's not specific to one seed what could some of the issues be?
0: Well, first off, I wanna say that when that happens, you can almost count 100% on that it's an environmental problem. Um, And that does happen to a lot of people, we hear from them. But when you're starting multiple seeds and you're having crummy germination across the board, there is something missing. Something is a problem amongst that. So with cool flowers, well, even with warm season, I mean, it's about temperature moisture retention um, and oxygen, um, and that is the temperature is really the problem. So, um, it is even, and y'all, it still happens to me on occasion, you know, we have learned that here's another tip, Ami Majus, which is the white Queen Anne's lace lookalike, but it's a whole different family. Um, we have found that Ami magis, we put that on the seedling heat mat for about 24 to 36 hours, just enough to warm it up and say, Hey, wake up there. And then we literally just set the tray in the grow room, which is that cooler temperature, 65 to 70 degree air temp. Just set it, not under grow lights, just set it on a shelf and leave it. I'll water it if it gets dry. And we have like 100% germination on that now. Um, It was too warm. On the seed light, seed starting mat, so it's almost always temperature in my experience of seed starting, and then the next one would be moisture. If it's drying out on the surface, um, you know that is where the problem is. And we just found that the wide, I say wide weave burlap, because there's all different types of burlap. Um, the wide weave has big enough holes um, that it just seems to really do the job.
1: Yep, I would say if you're an experienced seed starter and you don't have problems at other times of year, it's probably a heat issue. It's probably that your cool flowers, seeds are designed to sprout when the conditions are the most favorable to them being able to survive and reproduce. And if they sense that it's really hot, too hot, they're not going to want to come out of their little seed coats and say hello. (laughs)
0: That's right. For sure. That is real true.
1: (laughs) Okay. So that was all the questions for this episode of Seed Talk. And in our next episode, we will be talking a bit more about indoor seed starting. So today we covered from sowing your seeds to getting them to germinate. And in the next episode, we will be talking a bit more about seedling care.
0: Thank you, Lane. Those were great questions. And I know that they're the ones that you hear over and over again. And we're just really excited about this Seed Talk podcast and look forward to our next episode. In the meantime, friends, remember drop us a review. If you're enjoying this, um, tell your friends, share it, subscribe. If you're listening or watching this on YouTube, um, we really appreciate y'all doing that. That's what makes it all possible. And if the day comes that you need to purchase seeds, tools, supplies, or an online course, consider us. That's what provides the support for us to give so many free resources. So friends, thank you, Lane.
1: Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Give us a like and comment if you enjoyed this podcast.
0: Yes, and Lane tries to answer the comments over on YouTube. So lay them on there, friends. Till we meet again. Ciao.